0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to my Friends with Wheels podcast. Today, I talk with Ali Arena, a certified behavioral analyst, a relationship, a neurodiverse relationship expert. Uh, she talks to me about, you know, her work in the disability community, uh, a little bit about neurodivergence and how neurodiverse couples have to navigate being in, in a relationship. It's a really fun and interesting subject. So I hope you tune into this episode and enjoy. Um. So, thanks so much for again doing this. But I just want to start off and ask you, like, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got involved in the disability community.
1: Yeah, you know, um. so in college, I actually was a PR media major, and it really didn't feel right. And I actually babys- babysat an autistic child, and I got to see this child be in multiple therapies, and I really loved it. And I really connected with this kid. And I think now, realizing that I'm neurodivergent I didn't at the time I can see why we really connected like I really understood a lot um so since then I've gone you know I I have my master's in speech therapy um I'm a behavior analyst and then I have my doctorate in educational psychology so basically just very very in the the disability community and I work majority with neurodiverse young adults and adults right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know what, what is neurodivergent, you know, what are the common characteristics of a neurodivergent individual?
1: Yeah. So the neurodivergent umbrella, I feel like kind of keeps shifting, but underneath that is autism, ADHD, learning differences, right? Like dyslexia or dyscalculia. Um, some definitions include bipolar, but I think What most people come to me for is that they have difficulty with executive functioning. So their ability to prioritize, follow through, time manage, and then their social understanding of the world. So sometimes they have difficulty seeing someone else's perspective or even, you know, like if someone's talking fast, processing information and being able to respond, that's something that I can help with as well.
0: Mm -hmm. My next question is, that you also work in the mental health field as it relates to neurodivergence. I was looking at your website and it's, and it says that, you know, that you focus on social communication therapies. What's that all about?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, most people can communicate, right? Like they can use their words. However, social communication could be hard meaning you actually are using your words for the purpose of connecting or advocating. So like the difference is like most people can label, this is a phone, but it's so different to be able to use your words to say like, can you hand me that phone? Or I need to make a phone call. What do I say on the phone call? So that's the social communication part. Really like how do I communicate to connect better in the world?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's say for example, because I also saw on your website that you focused on neurodivergent, uh, neurodivergent couples or neurodivergent yeah. relationships. So let's say for example, um, we have a neurodivergent couple in a relationship. Uh, what might be some issues or challenges that they may face?
1: So one challenge I see a lot is a lot of times when you're neurodivergent, you have some sensory needs that you have to address, right? And you can also get possibly overwhelmed more easily than others. And you might be forgetful. So if one partner is, you know, forgetting things that the other partner said, that person's going to start to take offense. So that's a big disconnect I see. Um, And I'm definitely guilty of this myself. If you have a special interest that you can't move away from, like you just focus on that one thing, your partner can start to feel neglected. So I do a lot of helping people see that um, the one person's actions aren't meant to be hurtful and sort of re-talking about how to think about what your partner is doing.
0: Mm-hmm. How can social communication therapy, now that we've laid out those issues and challenges, how can social communication therapy help resolve those issues? yeah,
1: so when you work with me a thing, I really try to figure out because it's, you know, I think sometimes if you're in the disability community, you don't you talk so much about deficit when we're in reality, there's a lot of positive, amazing things. So one of the things is really getting in touch with, again, like, what do I like? What do I like to talk about? What do I want to use to connect with people? So starting there is a big way to just build social communication, being able to say what you like, and then how to advocate, advocate, right? So like, sometimes if I'm nervous, or I'm thinking I'll look up, and I never knew people were assuming that I was rolling my eyes at them or ignoring them. So now I know to give people that warning when talking with me, so they don't make that assumption. So that's a lot of stuff around your social communication, and just seeing how you present in the world and how you can advocate for yourself.
0: Mm hmm. My next question is: How does this particular kind of a therapy, the social communication therapy, differ from like traditional counseling? Because I used to um have a I used to have a mental health therapist, and I would have conversations with p- friends who've had mental health therapists, and they say, you know, like this this person needs to fit my needs. They need to understand where I'm coming from. So, like, how does uh, the social communication uh therapy differ from traditional? counseling or what's missing from it? That's a really
1: good question. Um, You know, I think social communication therapy definitely has that like mental health underlay the whole time. But I do think the difference is I am a lot more focused on the actual words that you're using. So there might be a little bit more role play and ways to initiate the conversation. I also talk um, with my clients a lot about Like what modality of communication do you like? Because not everything needs to be verbal. You can text things to people, you know, you can discord, you can video chat, whatever feels good. So that's, I think, a difference too, is really thinking about like what words we're saying, how we're communicated, and also just learning our own communication style. Like some people give a lot of information, others give little amounts. And so starting to learn yourself and how you communicate, I think that's probably the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Lastly, what can counselors take away from this? How can they use this approach, uh, the social communication approach, to better um understand a neurodivergent individual or a couple's point of view?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of people assume, like, if you're verbal and you're employed and you're in a relationship, that you must have the language to be able to ask for what you want and need, to be able to talk about yourself, to be able to advocate. And that really isn't always true. So I think it's important for people to take a step back and really check in if the person knows how to ask for that. Um, If the person has the communication to set a boundary, it's really different to say to someone, you should set a boundary as opposed to going over, how would you even do that? What words would you use? I think that's a big thing to take away.
0: hmm Yep, that's true. <laughs> All right, everyone. That does it for today's episode of my Friends of Wheels podcast. Today I talked with Allie Arena about her work as a neurodiverse uh, behavior therapist. She talked to me about what she did in. What she does in the disability community with regards to helping neurodivergent couples, you know, navigate the stages of a relationship. Uh, it's a really fun and interesting conversation. I took a lot from this uh, conversation, and I hope you did too. Anyway, feel free to tune into to other episodes of this podcast as they become available. But until then, have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye, everyone.